We acknowledge the First Nations people as the traditional custodians of the land we are on today. We acknowledge and pay respect to all elders, past, present and emerging. The Now and the Future podcast is an exciting way of sharing members' stories of opportunities, challenges and provide support and expert advice for Down Syndrome community. Down Syndrome Queensland's vision is to support, advocate for empower people with Down Syndrome to take their rightful places as valuable and contributing members of their community both now and into the future. Today's episode of the podcast is about employment. Um, You're joined today by Isabel and Yuka from the support services team. And we're going to have a chat about employment um, for people with Down syndrome. Um, And we're speaking today from the point of view of parents and supporters. So ways that we can support our young people um, to get employment and and stay in employment and find employment that's, that's perfect for them. So what I thought we would start talking about um, initially at least is is why is employment important for people with down syndrome well i guess isbel employment is important not just for people with down syndrome but everybody in the community um, and i guess employment is so important for everybody because it allows people to be independent and they can be financially um, you know earning an income which allows people to do a lot of different things whether that be you know pay their bills or pay their rent um, go out with their friends and family and do all those fun things that they would usually do and you can't really do that unless you earn some money I guess also having a job allows us to be productive and have, um, you know, to be able to provide um, and have a valuable contribution to community. Um, and it also provides us a way in which we have a meaningful role within the community as well. And jobs also allow us to learn new skills. So we might bring skills to the, to the workplace, but we might also learn new skills when we get a new job as well. So there's all these different things about, you know, our identity and being able to have a purpose when we have a job um, that's meaningful to us. And one of the amazing things about having a job as well is the relationships and connections that you form within the workplace as well. Um, And some of those skills that you learn within the workplace as well, some things you can only learn from somebody else. Yeah, and it's really good to be able to be involved in that um, on a day-to-day basis. And and we know that um, some of our guys with Down syndrome or disabilities don't always have the opportunity to enter employment. It can be a little bit of a trickier route into employment. Um, So our... um, podcast today is really focused um, on on the open employment market um, and ways that people with Down syndrome can enter the open employment market. Um, And also we're going to talk a bit about different sort of strategies that might be a little bit out of the usual um, that we can try um, again to enter that employment market. And it might be worth mentioning here as well as well whether people know what open employment is. So open employment is when um, people with disabilities are working with other people, um, not necessarily with people with disabilities. So I guess in the past, um, and there still are a few um, places that we call 
Australian yeah. Disability Enterprises or sheltered workshops. Um, but a lot of those have been phased out, particularly with the review of the NDIS. So I guess open employment is probably one that we would encourage people to sort of be looking at employment opportunities, um, particularly when there are so many benefits that come out of being employed in open employment and the opportunities out there as well and being able to find a job that really meets what your interests and skills are. So talking about that side of things, sort of finding your passion, um, we what is some of the ways, so we talk a lot um, with our families about things, um, like that whole job discovery process. Um, so I think it might be a good point at this moment to sort of talk about ways that we can facilitate that job discovery process so if your young person doesn't necessarily know what they would like to do as a job um, what are some of the strategies and some of the things that we can do um, to help them find their passion and find what they may actually be interested in doing as a job remembering as well that sometimes we will enter a job and find out that it's not something that we want to do uh, we might change our passion we might change our projection and where we want to be in life um, but as that initial phase you know when we're you know maybe coming out of school or maybe in that year 11 12 um, area of life and we're looking um, at what we might like to do when we're older um, as as a job what are some of the things that we can sort of do to find that passion mm. and I think it's all about opportunities Isabel so I mean that's for all of us when we're going through you know primary school and high school we're always looking for ways in which we can explore those different opportunities, things that we're interested in, the things that we're passionate about and the skills, you know, the things that we're good at as well. So, you know, as a supporter or a parent of someone with a disability that's looking to support them to go, you know, into open employment after that they finish school would be to help them to look at, um, you know, opportunities in the community where they can explore some of those things so I guess you know when it comes to things like high school and looking at things like work experience would be a great opportunity where people can start exploring um, the different job opportunities that are out there um, and that comes with things like volunteering and things as well and just being involved and getting out there in the community it may also be things that you know people are already doing that they're quite passionate and enjoying as well so whether that be you know, being part of a soccer team or, um, you know, being involved in their local library. Um, you know, even some of those things you can start to explore when it comes to, you know, the person really enjoys reading. Is that something that we can pursue as, as an employment opportunity? You know, the person really enjoys being part of a group, you know, um, being part of a soccer group or a soccer team. Is there something that we can pursue there in terms of employment opportunities? And just I guess keeping a, a watchful eye out in terms of picking up on some of those things and starting to have some of those conversations with the person with the disability around how, how we can pursue that a bit more. Um, and I guess it also depends on, um, you know, what employment's going to look like for that person too. So I guess when it comes to that discovery, it's all about um, not just plonking someone in a job. <laughs> and we'll talk about this a bit more when we talk about some of the supports that are available for the person um, but we often hear people just being plonked into a job that's just become available which 
may not necessarily be in that person's skill area or their interest. So, again, I think it's just about finding those opportunities, getting out there in the community and making some of those connections early um, to be able to see what's out there for the person. So what can parents be doing to support the person with their employment goals? So we've talked about how important it is to have employment goals and we've looked at ways that we can find out, you know, what people might be interested in. But what are some of those ways that that parents can um, support the person with their employment goals? So I guess once we've identified what the person's skills, their interests, their goals and also what their values are, we can support the person to explore Um, I guess, different ways in which they can start to action some of those employment goals. So um, I guess the first thing would be to obviously look at all of those things and how it might match with the job that's best suited for them. So it might be worth asking questions like, why do you want to be such and such? Um, what is it about that job that really interests you and why do you want to do it? So, and, you know, like Isabel said, those Um, those interests might change all the time and they might change as time passes but it's good to just be checking in just to see where they're at and um, you know what kind of job that they would be liking to pursue um, particularly when they start to get to the end of high school and they need to sort of really start um, considering those employment options um, once they're finished. I guess it's also a quite an overwhelming process when we get to the end of high school and we're looking at, you know, the finishing of a really structured environment, you know, people going to classes, coming home and having other um, activities that they do after school. But once school finishes, all of that goes out the door. (laughs) So it can be a really scary point of time, I guess, for parents and also people with disabilities around that real change in routine. So that's why I think it's really important to start some of these things, you know, whilst they're still in high school and introduce them to um, some of the things that they can be doing. But I guess start early is probably one of the big tips Um, and just take small steps at a time. So there's no need to have to do all of this in sort of the last couple of months of high school. take it in small steps, get the support that you need, Um, contact us if you need to and we can talk you through some of the things that you can be working on, particularly when you're getting to sort of that, you know, grade 10, um, you know, year when you're starting to look at some of those end of um, high school goals. And we know that period of time after high school, that transition from high school into early adulthood, losing that structure of high school and and that day-to-day things that they used to do, um, that can be a really crucial time as well. We, we really need to get that, that transition right. And having employment or, you know, other community activities in place ready to go, it can really help with that and giving people a sense of purpose and um, ability to sort of, you know, have really good mental health and things like that as they mm. um, exit the, the school time. Mm. And in saying that, Isabel, you know, it's not like we're saying that everyone needs to jump straight into employment once they've finished high school. There might still be people that aren't quite ready to to jump into a job yet and it might still be um, building some of those skills and that capacity to be able to then 
um, get into a job later down the track. Um, but it's still good to have some employment goals and keep those things in mind and just evolves as time goes on and just come back to revisit those things, um, you know, sort of regularly. Um, and also in terms of, you know, our expectations as well, um, you know, for both the person with a disability but also for parents and carers to be able to have sort of realistic expectations when it comes to some of those employment goals um, and make sure that they're achievable and not something that, you know, it's going to, um, yeah, require a lot of, I mean, it's going to require a bit of um, time and effort but, um, yeah, just making sure that it's going to be achievable for, for everybody. Um, and a successful one as well. And the NDIS also can help um, with employment-related goals as well, especially in that leaving school age. Um, it's certainly something to be aware of is the school leaver employment supports or SLES funding, which is something that is normally known by. Um, that's a really important thing to have in your plan. So if you do have an NDIS uh, review coming up sort of in that year 11, 12 area, um, it's really important to really have an employment-related goal within your NDIS plan. Um, even if it is, as you said, Getting those skills and things to be able to work further down the track, um, starting early is very crucial. Um, and things like SLES funding um, and even later on in life, there is also um, employment related funding available through your NDIS plan um, is really important to have within your plan as well. If it is a, a goal that you have um, or your young person has um, to enter into employment. You mentioned about having reasonable expectations about a job. What if your young person has a job in mind, um, perhaps they want to be something like an astronaut. So perhaps not a reasonable expectation. I know it's not a reasonable expectation for me. Um, what are some of the ways that you can discuss that with your young person um, and sort of manage expectations? I know that we've had um, families come through and their children have, you know, want to be, you know, the, the coach of a, um, a football team. Um, and obviously being the coach of a football team, has many smaller steps attached to it um, that that current coach needed to go through in order to get to that high position. Um, so what are some of the ways that we can talk to our young people if they do have very high expectations of what they can do um, and ways that we can manage those expectations? Because it can be a little bit, you know, disheartening, I guess, if someone says to you, well, no, you can't be an astronaut. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so how can we sort of manage that situation if we are finding ourselves in that situation? Mm. Well, I think, first of all, it's great to be ambitious. Um, and we all have those wonder of, you know, wonderful ambitions that we're hoping to achieve at some stage in our life but you know you're right I think there are lots of people that you know want to be astronauts and want to be coaches of a, a really big you know football team and I think it just comes back to some of those um, discovery conversations so what kind of skills would a person need to have if they were to become an astronaut or a coach of a football team. So really fleshing that out in terms of, okay, well, let's have a look at some job ads to see, um, you know, what kind of qualifications a person would need to be able to do that job. Um, and it might need to then be looking at some of the courses that are out there, um, whether those things are sort of manageable in terms of that person's capacity and being able to, you know, get them through that course. Um, and like I said, there's um, plenty of supports out there, but it's just looking at what's going to be um, achievable for that person. 
And it may be that we might need to have conversations with the person again when it comes to that job and why they're so passionate about it. You know, why is it that you want to become an astronaut? Is it because you are passionate about space? Is it because that person wears, um, you know, the fantastic astronaut uniform? It, I guess it's about having those conversations about what is it about that job that appeals to you? If it's about um, <laughs> potentially working solo or, you know, being out there, um, being able to work in a space shuttle, um, you know, sort of exploring that a bit more to say, okay, well, there are other jobs where you can work on your own. It, you know, you don't always have to work in a team or there are other, um, you know, jobs where you can work in um, vehicles, I guess. So whether that be trains or buses and looking at some of those other options as well. So sometimes it becomes a bit of a sort of a detailed deep dive into what is it that that person wants um, and being able to have those conversations around, okay, what is it that we can do when it comes to being able to achieve some of those, whether it be those qualifications. Um, and if they can, then absolutely. But um, but if it's going to be a little bit trickier, then we just look at um, how we can still keep those passions and keep those interests um, because that's essentially what's going to keep them in the job, like for all of us. Um, and, yeah, looking at how we can sort of pursue that. And Yuka, are there any resources that you know of online that can sort of help with that discovery process? So there are organisations around that can provide um, some support around that discovery. Um, if you just wanted to have a conversation with us at DSQ, you're more than welcome to just give us a call as well and we can sort of um, talk talk through some of those things. Um but the other option is we talked about some supports before. So Isabel talked about supports through the NDIS, but there are also disability employment service providers, so DES um, providers out there that can help with finding and maintaining employment. It's saying that um, it, it's good to be able to... Um, check in with a few different desk providers just to make sure that you are getting what you need in terms of the support from those desk providers. Um, and it's okay to ask questions and it's okay to not particularly choose a service that's, you know, just around the corner from you. If it's worth going a little bit further and going with a different desk provider that seems to best meet your needs, then I would definitely go <laughs> with that one. Um, so, Ask around, ask around with the people that you know who have connected in with DES providers in the past. Um, and it may not be a particular DES service. It may be a particular person at that particular DES service that might be really helpful. Um, but you can contact us too in terms of um, some strategies around connecting in with DES providers, checking star ratings. So in terms of how they've achieved in um, supporting people to find employment um, and just a few other tips and things in terms of linking in with the right supports for you and we can also put some links in the show notes as well for some of the resources that we know of um, that might be really useful in this area now so we've gone through the discovery process and we've discovered what we might like to do um, and so the next step is going out and finding a job what are some of the ways that our 
young people with Down syndrome can find jobs. So obviously we can look on websites like seek.com, um, ethicaljobs.com. There's lots of them around. And there's also a new disability specific um, job search platform that we can put a link to in our show notes. But what are some of the ways, I guess, when we, uh, when we have a young person with Down syndrome, Sometimes we need to think of more creative ways um, to find jobs. Um, so one of the ways that our guys, we've sometimes found that they've had a bit of success is actually approaching their networks. Um, so maybe we can talk a bit more about that. Mm. Um, I know that sometimes our guys have found a bit of um, success by approaching businesses um, that they may be quite familiar with, whether that be their local cafe, um, perhaps, there's a bookshop that they go to quite often um, if you really sit down and think about all the places that you go and all the connections that you have whether that be family members friends um, just casual acquaintances that you have what are some of the ways that our guys have sometimes found work within those networks and it's tricky, right, because we need to put ourselves out there a bit, don't we, as parents um, and carers um, it's not always easy to go out asking for a job. Um, so why don't we talk about that one a little bit more? <laughs> yeah, Isabel, and I think this is why it's really important to start doing some of those work experience and volunteering opportunities when they're still in high school um, because that builds some of those connections um, for them to, you know, consider um, employment opportunities when they leave school. So a lot of the times those volunteering opportunities may turn out to be employment, paid employment opportunities when they do leave school. So that's why it's really worth um, looking at those opportunities. And, it, and we've had research say that um, people with disabilities are five times more likely to be in work post-school if they do work experience when they're at school. So that's why it's really important that um, we look into those opportunities. And sometimes it may not have to be um, as daunting as going out there and just having a bit of a banner saying, I'm looking for work, but it might just be in just subtle conversations that, you know, parents and porters have with, you know, the people in their network around, oh, my son or daughter is finishing school um, and they're looking to find a job. Um, and sometimes people may be just, you know, they might just come forward and say, oh, we're looking for someone. What kind of things are they looking to do in terms of a job? So, um, and, th and that goes for the person with a disability as well, just to get the word out there that they're finishing school or they're at the point where they're looking for a job. Um, something might just pop up, um, you know, in the community for them. And I think when we sort of approach businesses or our support networks or our communities, one of the good things about that is rather than applying for a job with set expectations that you might find on SEEK, you know, certain expectations of what someone should be able to do, what qualifications they should have, what experience they should have. Um, when we do that approaching other people, then we can sort of really explain, you know, that whole job carving, what our young person is good at, um, what kind of skills they could bring to the job. And with job carving, you know, we sort of make a job sometimes, don't we, out of, um, you know, possibly taking some of the things that other people maybe don't have time to do mm -hmm. um, and sort of making a, a separate job. And I think when you 
when you approach people, you can sort of explain um, what it is that you're actually looking for in a job and, and what your young person can do, um, what they hope to do in the future, because obviously we want to build their skills. We don't want them, you know, printing for the rest of their employment life. We'd like them to learn how to do other things as well. Um, but having that initial conversation and, and rather than fitting a mould, sort of making a mould for themselves, really, um, so maybe you can tell us a bit more about your experience of job carving and, and what you've seen happen in that area. Mm. And I think that's why um, traditionally a lot of people haven't had a lot of success when they've gone onto websites like Seek and Ethical Jobs because it is a bit of a cookie-cutter mould where, you know, we're trying to fit someone with Down syndrome into a job that may not particularly meet their skills or interests. Um, whereas if we look at it the other way in terms of how can we fit a job to meet the person with a disability, it seems to be more successful when it comes to people with Down syndrome. Um, and, and exactly in terms of that job carving, so we're carving off different, um, I guess, duties of other staff members in that organisation that could be all put together, um, that could, um, you know, I guess essentially be created especially for that person. So sometimes having that conversation can be a little bit difficult when it comes to approaching businesses um, and that's where the, the DES providers may be the better option when it comes to um, getting them to do that, do that job um, in terms of approaching businesses um, and being able to have that conversation. In saying that, there might be DES providers that may not be equipped to or even know what job <laughs> carving is. Um, but at the same time, DSQ can also speak with employers as well around, um, you know, how they can be supported to employ someone with a disability um, and talk about some of those strategies and maybe some adjustments that might need to be made. Um, but we can provide support to them if need be. So, like I said, there's a range of different supports out there. Um, but if you work through the discovery process and you know what it is in terms of what they're good at, their interests and their skills, then um, there are actually quite a few businesses out there that are, you know, really keen to employ someone with a disability. It's just about finding the right one. Um, so, and I think it's okay to feel a little bit scared, particularly when people are wanting, you know, going into that open employment space. Um, but like I said, if you've got the right supports and if you've got the right job and the right um, you know, people that you're working with, um, you know, we've seen it to be quite successful. And in terms of looking for work, so we obviously know about written resumes. What are some of the other strategies that we can use? Because finding a job, especially in the job market, can be quite difficult. Making yourself stand out um, amongst, you know, a sea of white paper um, can be quite hard. So rather than perhaps, obviously, we do need paper resumes, um, but for people with disabilities or anyone in general, really, what are some of the more creative ways that you could put yourself forward for a job so we talk about things like video resumes don't we yeah so video resumes i guess are the you know new trend i guess these days and you know i've heard of tiktok resumes and all sorts of other things but you know i think we've all been sort of used to paper resumes or electronic um sort of the standard resumes that we would send through with a job application um which can still exist just to sort of outline some of the skills and the interests that we have and we do have an example of that in the show notes which we'll include um 
But I guess you just need to know in terms of how best to get that information across to the employer. So if the person is particularly nonverbal, then maybe a video resume might be the best way to, um, you know, be able to showcase some of the skills that that person has. So, you know, if they're really good at scanning or if they're really good at potting plants, um, but, you know, they might not be able to express that um, really well verbally or even written, then just put it together in a video resume. And we've got examples of that on the Right to Work website as well. Um, you know, it can involve a little bit of that technical process, but it doesn't have to be complicated. You could put some of those videos into like a PowerPoint presentation. Um, and I think these days with it being a digital world, um, you know, I think most things are accepted when it comes to written resumes, video resumes, PowerPoint resumes. So um, just be creative of how you want to get that information across. Um, and yeah, see how that goes. And even like if you are going to an interview um, for a position, perhaps having a portfolio um, of the types of things that you can do, especially in previous work. So even before you finish a job, um, asking if it's okay to come in and take photos of some of the skills or some of the jobs that you do within that employment, mm -hmm. um, just so you have that sort of visual representation of what it is that you can achieve. I think that can be quite beneficial as well. Um, as, as you say, if, especially if you do have a young person that is not verbal, so perhaps can't really express what they can do, being able to show that um, in a portfolio type binder or something like that can be quite useful um, and yeah not everyone's going to watch a, a video I guess within a um, interview so having something a bit more tangible that you can take in um, a portfolio of sorts can be quite useful as well. So when it comes to having successful employment in the open employment market, um, the values that a young person with Down syndrome has about employment um, and the their own value within that market um, sort of starts at home, doesn't it? And, and parents' expectations of, you know, how their young person can contribute to the employment market and, and just in, in the community in general when it comes to having those expectations of the person and employment, you know, having the job, you know, sometimes as a parent or supporter, it can be really scary, um, you know, for that person to go out there and be working, I guess, and what kind of supports are they going to need? Uh, is the employment, uh, was the employer going to be um, accommodating in terms of, and supportive as well for that person and I guess all of these worries um, come up for a lot of parents and sometimes it's just maybe a too hard basket in terms of you know are we going to be able to find the right job for the person are they going to get the support that they need but it may be that we are already supporting that person to build some of those skills to be able to work um, and that that person is actually really wanting to get out there and work because they might see yourselves or their siblings or their friends go out there um, and they've got a job and that's something that they really want to do as well. So I guess the expectations that, you know, parents and supporters have is really going to um, influence how successful they're going to be um, when it comes to finding a job and having a job because if we're 
going to be supportive um, and provide um, ways in which we can help them to find opportunities, um, be, I guess, that person who can be a point of call, whether that be for the employer or the DES provider or whoever it might be, you know, those people that are supporting that person to be successful in the in the job, um, you know, it's just going to be, I guess, another add-on when it comes to that ticket success. So, um <clears throat> And I think in these situations as well, you know, parents are going to be more involved perhaps than they would normally be. Um, so being that point of contact and really making sure that your young person understands that, you know, if there are important meetings at work um, that they need to attend, perhaps they do need a support person, whether that be the parent or a support worker or something like that. Because we know that sometimes when things do get a little bit tricky in the workplace, they really will need that extra bit of support um, to manage what's going on um, so setting that expectation that you will be that support and that you will be there to support them and and also to support the employer as well um, you know we there's organizations like our own down syndrome in queensland um, we're more than happy to go out and speak to employers um, about employing someone with down syndrome and some of the accommodations that might need to be made and and discussing anything that's a little bit tricky and a little bit harder um, but they're not necessarily going to know about us so if they do have that if the employer does have that point of contact um, with the parent um, or the support worker and they can sort of provide that information about other places that they can go um, to get extra um, assistance and extra support that's a really beneficial and, and really powerful tool um, so it, it's important not to underestimate um, how important your involvement can be, um, even though it might be a little bit different to what you would sometimes experience. Um, and look, you know, even if you're a, a sibling perhaps doesn't have a disability, um, you know, you would still expect that they would come to you um, if there are employment-related issues or if something's happening within their life, um, you would like them to come to you. And, and it's important that, you know, your young person with Down syndrome also has that expectation that they can do that um, and that you check in often to make sure things are going okay um, because we know that sometimes our young people maybe won't tell us um, about some of the trickier things that are happening and the meetings that they're having and being asked to attend. Mm. And I think, you know, it's always probably been the case, but in terms of that good communication and having a collaborative approach when it comes to supporting someone, you know, to set, have successful outcomes, not just in the workplace, but in other areas of their life. Um, it's all about communicating, um, you know, some of the things that um, I guess are going to be helpful when it comes to um, being able to, you know, for that person to be able to have um, a really good job and, you know, how they're going to um, be supported to be in that job as well. Um, and, yeah, and just making sure that we are open to change because it's going to happen um, and how we can um, be there to support that if anything does, I guess, does come up. And have you ever heard of anyone um, using a vision statement in the workplace? I know we talk about it a lot in the um, education space, but just listening to you speak, sometimes it makes me think about whether a vision statement might be a good document to have going into a new employer as well. Mm. And I guess just for you as well, in terms of what you're hoping to achieve, 
I think it's it's a really clear way to communicate what it is that you want and what your vision is, um, but then being able to share that with others too, I think that's a really nice way to be able to um, get that message out there. Well, thank you for joining us today um, on our podcast about employment. Um, we hope that you have learned something um, from our little chat. Um, if you do have any questions that you would like um, us to go into, and, and look, everyone's situation is unique. Um, some of the challenges that you might be facing are, are unique, unique to you. So you can always give us a call um, or send us an email if you would like to get in touch with us to discuss anything that's happening specific to you. Um, we'll also also put some links to some of the amazing resources that are available um, in the show notes if you want to check those out but yeah if there's any if there's ever any questions please get in touch with us here at Down Syndrome Queensland and we're more than happy to discuss any of your job related questions that you might have. At the Now in the Future podcast we'd love to hear your thoughts and questions as a way of continuing to provide essential information for the community. If you have a question or would like any more information on any of our episodes or have any ideas for future episodes, simply send us an email to engagement at downsyndromeqld.org.au. That's engagement at downsyndromeqld.org.au. And we'll do our best to provide you with the information you require in one of our upcoming episodes. The Now in the Future podcast aims to support, advocate for and empower people with Down syndrome both now and into the future. You have been listening to the Now and the Future podcast. For more information about this episode and many other topics related to Down syndrome, please visit the Down syndrome Queensland website at Syndrome dot syndrome queensland supporting people with down syndrome now and into the future